0: Hey podcast listeners, this is just a quick disclaimer that there are some cuss words in this episode. Um, It's actually just one cuss word one time. It is. You'll hear it. You know how when you know you're witnessing history, your memory sharpens around that day and its events? On June 26, 2015, less than a year ago, the Supreme Court ruled that gay marriage be legal throughout the country. Some people were really happy about that decision, and some people were outraged. Laura is in her 20s. She identifies as queer, and full disclosure, she is my housemate, and she mostly had negative feelings about it. She plays soccer a couple times a week, and she was watching the Women's World Cup with her team, when the news came out, um, so
1: the whole the whole group of people, and one of my friends, Dave, um, was like high fiving me about it and really excited, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was a bit grumpy because I was like, look the the issues that the L G B T Q I A A, all the ad or all the acronyms. Uh, community deals with are so far greater than like just a piece of paper which is an institutionalization of a commitment that I think is important I think it's really beautiful that people make that to each other but I don't think that it necessarily like that paper and the ceremony involved with it and the materialism and the consumerism and the societal expectation that we'll check one box and then the other and then the other until we all have mortgages houses and babies is not something that I subscribe to and it also was a very important time for the movements in baltimore and in ferguson and i felt like like we were making this huge huge deal about gay marriage when like you know many of our citizens and people of color don't feel safe in their communities
0: you're listening to last call an oral history project about new orleans disappearing Dike bar scene today a few perspectives on marriage
2: well it is pretty much one of the major um, ways that the patriarchy came up with for controlling women and children.
3: And like I said, that's just me. I have nothing against it, but that is one thing I don't fight for. Mm -hmm. I really don't. Because of the way Leslie and I have been together and how well we have been accepted from everyone, I don't feel a need for that for me. One of my pet peeves is don't call someone your wife unless you really need it.
2: You know. See it, be it, do it. Uh, Don't do it if you don't need it. Don't do it if you're not willing to work for it. Uh, Because marriage is A day to day uh, work. It's work.
3: Did
0: did people do that though? Get married? Nope, but Pino did. (laughs) That's Mila Zama talking to one of our project founders, Sarah Pick. Pino co owned a bar called Pino's in the 80s. It was in the same neighborhood as Charlene's, and the people we talked to mostly agree that it catered to a bit of a rougher crowd. Here's Diane Schneider, formerly a bartender at Charlene's, and Charlene's sister.
3: Pino's had a reputation for having uh, bad news people. People that carried guns, knives, and I even had somebody tell me they went to Pino's one night and saw three guns on the bar. But, I mean, uh, a lot of people that went to Pino's were people that were living a hard life, if you know what I mean. And, you know, they weren't bad people. They were just, you know.
4: And it was just a different group of women, but that's what's so cool, man. I mean, it's like, everybody knew everybody, but there was a different group of women, you know?
1: What did Pino look like? Max Seisler You know, I what not remember. She was like a sh- kind of short, stocky Italian woman. You know, kind of rough. You know, I kind of imagine her, remember her with like, one of those heavy New Orleans Italian accents, you know, kind of a rough, you know, tough woman, you know. I mean, well, anyone that owned a lesbian bar back then had to be a tough woman. (laughs) Um, I think Pino, I'm sure Charlene would do it too, but I think if there were fights going on, Pino would definitely make you leave the bar. You shouldn't want that in the bar.
0: Pino had a business partner, Margie, with whom she lived and shared property for years, long after they ceased to be lovers, but that's not who she married. May says that though it wasn't popular or common at the time for lesbians to get married, Pino and her partner did it because they were just old school, even though her partner was quite a bit younger. They pulled out all the stops and threw a big traditional Catholic wedding in a Catholic church in downtown New Orleans. The wedding party was huge and probably consisted mostly of friends. The groom's men,
4: and they're all in like I think baby blue tuxedos, like you would see, right? It's it's, it's you know I mean really, and then there's Peanut comes in a um, limo. She's got the white gown. I mean this is like the whole thing, and they're going to the Catholic Church. I'm pretty sure it's the Catholic Church, and. Um, and so you did. It was interesting seeing the guest because the guests were, you know, you would see the, the femme, you know, the, the, the femme and she'd have the makeup and then you'd see, you know, the, the, the whatever, the butcher, like I guess, you know, and be happy. I mean, it was role. They played the role and it was like, it was, it was really interesting. It was, it was something. And then, wow, that was Pino's wedding. And then they had a big
3: bash at Peanuts,
4: they had a
2: big reception. Wow. I think everybody needs to celebrate their relationships one way or another, however they want to do it.
0: Our relationships
2: deserve to be celebrated.
0: Donna Bechet and her wife Paula Kilborn had two weddings. A big one in Louisiana with all of their family, and a second legal ceremony in New York City two days later. Donna says the Louisiana wedding is the one that they consider to be their anniversary. That day was so special and important to them that it sort of lives on in their living room. Yeah, You have actually, I think maybe you even have like a kind of shrine to your wedding in your house or the one last time I was there. We do, we do.
2: We We have our anniversary picture and wedding photo And, uh, you know, just some little pieces of stuff here and there. Our wedding was a big event. Our our Louisiana wedding was a big event. We had over 200 people at the balcony. Um, we're very traditional. Paula is especially very traditional. She really, really wanted me in the big white gown. Mm -hmm. Okay? (laughs) Um... Most of our families were there. As a matter of fact, two of my brothers gave me away. There's a tradition of walking me down the aisle. Um, one of Paula's brothers walked her down the aisle. Um, her sister was one of my bridesmaids. One of her, her great great niece was also one of our bridesmaids. Um, my grandson was a groomsman. Um, our granddaughter was our father girl. My daughter was my maid of honor. So we had lost and lost of family in our wedding. But when we, when we were married, we became a family. And that included everything. You know, our family are merged her her sisters and brothers called me their sister Mm. their sister-in-law and the same thing with mine you know my mom called paula her daughter Mm.
0: for donna and paula family was a central part of their wedding and their marriage only two family members didn't come to the wedding and only one person paula's sister didn't come Um, because she was opposed
2: because she you know was brought up in the Baptist church, and she didn't believe in the gay marriage thing. And uh, I guess about a month later, she was looking at our wedding pictures, and she was like, oh, I am so sorry I didn't come.
0: Donna and Paula were together six years before they got married in 2013. And for Donna, at least, everything about getting married and being married to Paula was exciting and rewarding for her. They learned so much from and about each other in the process of planning their wedding that Donna says the whole experience brought them even closer together. Which surprised her. She was married once before, and that whole experience was so different than this. She didn't really want to talk about it.
2: I will say this. Um, When I got married before, it was out of fear. And, uh, I mean, this 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 marriage is joy. Mm -hmm. This marriage is joy. The thing that we did when we were getting married was we talked a lot about our marriage. We did a lot of wedding stuff, but we talked a lot about marriage. And how we wanted our marriage to be. You know, what we were expecting from each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When we got married, we made a pledge to each other that we were going to, to be um, there for each other. And, you know, no matter what. And we have been. And I have faith that that will always be that way and I didn't have that before we got married.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: I hoped it before, I know it now. Oh, one of the things that we've done since we've gotten married is that we tell people we're married, casual people, like people you meet in the airport or whatever, would assume that we were sisters. And they would look at us and say, oh, y'all are sisters, aren't you? And we would just look at each other and go, hmm sure. We don't do that anymore. We don't care who they are. We tell them, no, this is my wife. We never really did that before. We never thought about it. I certainly never thought about it. And I never, ever, ever believed that Paula would be doing it. You know, I've always been a lot more open, um, you know, about who I am that Paula had. Mm-hmm. You know. Paula Paula ran into a friend of hers that she used to work with the other day and uh, immediately brought her over. I mean, this is a woman that, you know, she used to work with um, when she worked for the state and, you know, they she never came out there. Mm-hmm. And you know, brought the woman over and said, look, this is my wife, I got married, this is my wife, I want you to meet my wife. You know, that's a huge thing.
1: Yeah.
2: Huge. Being able to do that and say that, feel comfortable doing it. We are proud to be married to each other.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, it's, it's not just us, it's also the way other people I think that's one of the functions of marriage in society is that you know it's not just the two of you in a marriage marriage is also about your community Mm -hmm. she keeps me grounded and I help her fly Mm -hmm. God, they
0: asked me this at the bank I think it was in September Oh, okay, so it was recently. Alditale and her partner Mary Caps have been together 30 years. They got married, even though neither one is very keen on the concept.
2: I don't even, frankly, like telling people that we are. Mm. And when people ask me, I don't always answer them. Right. Um.
4: Because there are so many people who just kind of
2: take that and run with it. You know, it's, um, it's a little easier for straight people if you're married, and I don't give a fuck. Mm. Um, it's a little easier for some parts of the gay community. If you're married because they take it to mean you agree with their political goals, mm. and I don't. We're not accepting it as some great, you know, gift and lovely right they finally deem to reward us. So I'm, um, you know, I'm even, I'm just, I wear it uneasily. We got married solely for the economic benefit. It saves us a lot of money on our taxes, which we use for well, shall we say radical hospitality and other subversive (laughs) services. Oh, right. um, That's that's what we're going to do.
0: Did you have a wedding?
2: No. We got up one morning and said, well, you you like running down to the courthouse to get a license, and we did that in our regular clothes, and by the grocery store on the way home and then went out to the um, county services building and they picked a judge who happened to be queer which was real fun we actually laughed heartily with tears running down our cheeks through the whole ceremony because we all realized the absurdity of it (laughs) and um he did the deed, and now we get to file our taxes as a married couple and get a lot of money back, which will make our lives much easier. I think of it as a subversive act against the patriarchy. There's nothing, you know, there's nothing in the traditional setup of marriage for women. I understand how, especially for straight women, it's a very seductive, institution Mm -hmm. Um, but it's not there for women (laughs) but um, I don't think of Mary and I having a marriage that doesn't apply Uh, Mary and I have been together for 30 years I had a 12 year long relationship loving relationship before that which included three people for some years and you know that was all done without state intervention or sanction. Um, that was, you know, that uh, decades ago. That was my big beef against marriage. Not even considering it for ourselves, but just that it it kept us from imagining. It kept us from being real and authentic with those people that we wanted to form some intimacy with Mm. because it was so easy to fall in these prescribed roles
1: Mm.
2: um, that we all knew so well because we had all been raised to get married. Mm -hmm. Um, And so rather than be fully present and authentic to ourselves and create The kind of relationship that grew organically between us or that we desired, um, it was very, very easy for people to slip into the very patriarchal
0: A little more than a year before the Supreme Court ruling, one of our founders, Rachel Lee, talked with Juanita Pierre. She and her partner, Leslie Martinez, have been together 37 years now. They owned a business together, raised children. Here's what she has to say on the subject. I don't never need a piece of paper to tell me
3: that you're married. I don't, I don't need that. Because of the way Leslie and I have been together, and how well we have been accepted from everyone. I don't feel a need for that for me. If Leslie walk out that door to T and go even to the store around the corner, the owner's going to say, where's well, Anita? I can't get no more committed than that.
0: Oh yeah, and also...
3: I'm not gonna spend that kind of money just to show anybody that we are married. Like she says, it doesn't make sense to spend all that money for everybody else to have a good time. You cannot eat all the cake, you cannot drink all the alcohol, you cannot do this, you cannot do that. And then when it's over, when you gotta come in, you gotta clean up your house, and then you have to regroup. (laughs) If I'm going to do something, I'm going to do something that's beneficial for me. I can take that money. We can go wherever we want to go and have a damn good time. We, we can go on a trip. We have a good you time. You know yeah. what I'm saying? We have a wonderful time I'm together. Not, I'm not doing it. <laughs> and I mean, we can take a fabulous vacation with the money because the last anniversary party we gave in 23 years, it took me three years to plan it. Yes, three years to pay for so, it. Yeah. They don't ever have to legalize it, as far as I'm concerned. Now, if it means that your spouse can carry you on the military papers, then go ahead.
0: Actually, this is the closest Juanita ever came to expressing any desire to be married, in this interview anyway. She spoke with Rachel Lee. No, I
1: really hear you. That's something that's come up a lot with this project. It's just what happens when we get old. What are we doing to And each baby, other? as long as we live
3: in, we're gonna get there. And what where are y'all gonna go? you mm-hmm. Y'all gonna let the government come in one of these senior lip and and because you see what I get you Oh, know, I want my baby to be right next to me and the nursing home ain't gonna put up with that. The nursing home will yeah, they let spouses stay in the same And they gonna let me sleep in the bed with you. Do? Well, I don't know about in the bed. Well, in the bed, I, I, have, I, have, I don't. The, we can push those twin beds together. 36 years, the only time I spend a night away from you is when they won't let me into ICU. Mm-hmm. So, and then I'm sleeping outside the door. So, no, that's like going to We work. can push those twin beds together. I ain't pushing nothing. I'm getting in that bed. <laughs> Mm-mm. And they're not going to let us do. They may. Girl, please, they don't do it for husband and wife. I to do it for two or Some Sunday husband and wives don't wanna sleep together. I
1: wanna sleep <laughs> with my mama. <laughs> well, when you open your own facility for all the gay women, nah. they will have to let you get some, get some twin be beds, so some nice. queen-size queen beds. Oh, that would
3: be so nice. To know when you get old. Because some of us will be with our partners yeah. until 10 to us apart. And that would be so nice for us baby. Baby, we're going in
0: no the living. Center. And you know that's an idea too—to open a gay living center. Ooh, yeah. Call it Golden Kiki. Rainbow Connection. Uh, second honeymoon. The Love Boat. Proud Princess Palace. Retirement Homo. Thank you for listening to Last Call. Today you heard the voices of Laura Burns, Alda Talley, Juanita Pierre, Donna Bechet-Kilborn, Mayla Zama, and Leslie Martinez. With interviews by Sarah Pick, Rachel Lee, and myself, Free For All. We'll be back in a few weeks to launch our crowdfunding campaign. We are a small group right now with big dreams and a lot of action. The podcast is only a small part of what this organization is doing. We are also continuing to collect oral histories and creating original theater based on the interviews. And uh, if you'll be in New York City on March 3rd through 6th, you could catch us at the Pulse Festival. We're participating in an awesome project called Eulogy for the Dyke Bar. There will be a listening party featuring some of our podcasts and two of the performers from our show, Alleged Lesbian Activities, um, Hannah Pepper Cunningham and Asia Vinay Palmer, will perform some songs and scenes from the show and make some other appearances. Um, You can find more about Eulogy for the Dyke Bar on Facebook. Our queer storyline is up and running. You can leave a message at 504-507-0364 or you can record a voice memo on your phone and email it to dykebarpodcast at gmail.com. This podcast is produced by Rachel Lee, Peter Bowling, and myself, Free For All. Peter and I make the music. Last Call's core organizers are Rachel Lee, Bonnie Gable, Aaron Roussel, Bear Ebert, Blue Rain, and Sarah Pick. Stay tuned to lastcallnola.org for future episodes, bonus features, and news regarding the theater project to which this is a companion piece. I
2: tend to agree. You agree with that, why not? (laughs)